There we go. We are back again for another episode of Friday Night Counter-Attack. And um, Salem, how much do you reckon therapy costs um, on a weekly basis? Because I reckon I'll need it this season because of how bad Man United have been, especially against Brighton, not just last season or the last 10 years of watching Man United. But seriously, how bad was Sunday for Man United? And that's something that I'll be getting into uh, later today. But Salem, if you know any therapists that are going at uh, good rates per hour, let me know. I'll need it for the rest of the season. Have you been this week? To be honest, yeah, I don't think I, I wouldn't mind getting another income. So I'd be happy to, you know, I've been I've been through the lows of football, Premier League football, you know. So I'm I'm happy to do it at a decent cost. Yeah, it's true. I wouldn't mind doing this. Maybe you should just turn this into Friday Night Therapy. Uh, that should literally just be the name of this new podcast um, for us as well. Because Manchester United, man, you you expect good things from Eric Ten Hag. You expect some resistance from the players, but. Nothing happened on Sunday against Brighton and it was awful to kind of see. And that's something that we'll be getting into later on in the podcast. But uh, I'm looking forward to this one. It's going to be a nice, short and sweet one for everyone listening. We're going to be bigging up Karen Benzema as he's become the second most, uh, well, second top scorer in Real Madrid's history, overtaking Raul, which is great. Uh, we're going to be looking at Liverpool as well because they had a, a tough time against Fulham. And I feel like they need a, another midfielder in that squad. And obviously, we'll be talking about the Premier League, we'll be talking about Aston Villa, and we'll be talking about Man United. But first thing first, Alan, Aston Villa versus Bournemouth, your first game of the season. How did you find that, um, losing to Bournemouth away? Yeah, I think, um, I just feel like the players didn't turn up at all, really. It's it's kind of strange, because when, when Gerard first came in, he got us playing some really good football, one touch, like, you know, we were out playing Man City in parts in that 2-1 defeat at home. And not sure, it's just like... It just seems like everything just sort of sapped away. I mean, if you look at Gerard's record now, I think it's two wins and ten or twelve or something, which were against Norwich and Burnley anyway. So it's Gerard, Gerard's record is is identical to Gary Neville's record at Valencia when he was manager there. So that's quite worrying yeah, yeah. from Stephen Gerrard's point of view. But that's well. the thing. Like, I, I I just don't understand like how things are, you know are going so, so wrong for us at the moment. Like, we've got such a good squad as well. Um, I, I did mention last time that a lot of fans are starting to turn on Gerard. I think keeping out uh, Wendy is, you know, probably the biggest mistake that he's making. I think Douglas Louise needs to come back into the team. I feel like some players do need a bit of time out, like uh, potentially like McGinn might need a few games out. I think Jacob Ramsey looks like he could do with a few games out. But yeah, it's just about sort of rotating. Um, but yeah, no, there's been a lot of talk about you know, sort of issues as well with like Mings, which has been confirmed that there wasn't any sort of personal issue. Um, but, you know, it's, it's sad to see, you know, I want to I want to see Gerard succeed at Villa. I want to see us succeed and become this sort of Europa League team. And, you know, it's the thing is, like, it's easy to have like a meltdown after one game, considering that, you know, we've, there's been seasons where we lost. I remember 0-9-10, I went to the first game of the season with uh, my brother and my dad and we lost to Wigan, newly promoted team. Yeah. 2-0 uh, at home. Uh, Rodiega scored and we lost 2-0 and we, we were awful that day. Like, we were so bad. Like, you know, we, we, I don't even think we even made, like, a clear-cut chance and we lost 2-0 but we ended up finishing sixth and having, you know, we were semi-finalists in the FA Cup and sort of runners-up in the League Cup. So, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, it's too early to judge after one game but Bournemouth just looked like they wanted it more. I think a lot of the newly promoted teams do look like that. You know, they've come back to the Premier League, they're playing at home as well. Um, against a decent side. So, you know, the, it, it could just say that it meant more to Bournemouth than it did for us. Because um, we, we actually had a good pre-season, but like I've been telling everyone that pre-season doesn't account to anything in that sense. It's just more it's fitness and sort of game, sort of tactical 
cohesion up. But yeah, that's that's it really. So yeah, it was very disappointing after waiting such a long time, and you know, just have to look forward to this weekend. Now we've got um, Everton at home. So yeah, twelve thirty yeah. Saturday as well. Because I I would be looking forward to seeing if he actually brings Mings back into this team as well. If he actually does bring Douglas Weiss back into this team, and like you said, Emi Buendia back into the team because Buendia and Coutinho last season, at the end of last season, they were starting to build a bit of a chemistry there as well, which is quite frightening from the rest of the league's point of view, but quite enjoyable from an objective point of view as well. But um, how do you kind of see that game going against Everton? Obviously losing to Chelsea, but playing that 5-4-1 formation against Chelsea, so not really having a, a now-and-out striker looking to just stay in the game. Do you reckon Steven Gerrard will actually take on this Frank Lampard-Everton side with, with basically all guns blazing? How do you see it going on Saturday? Yeah, I hope so. I hope he plays a 4-2-3-1. I hope Douglas Luiz comes into the team. I hope mm-hmm. Wendy comes into the team too. Um, it'll be a, a very different game for Everton as well. You know, they made some really good signings. Another one the other day, Onana. I think Onana from Lille. What yeah. a player. Yeah, he's Belgian international, right? I think uh, yeah. Roberto Martinez did a bit of a, um, a clip on that as well. But yeah, no, I'm, to be honest, we've got a really good record against Everton. And I don't want to jinx it here, but since we've been so got promoted... We've been really good against them and we tend to have them really early on at home as well, surprisingly. But yeah, like last season, we put, we beat them 3-0. The year before, I believe we beat them as well. And then the first season back, um, I went to that one actually and, and that was the, that was a really good atmosphere, that one was. It was the third game of the season and we won um, 2-0, I think it was. That, that are you, was are you going on Saturday as well to the game? I'm, I'm not, not 100% sure. I'm quite... Um, obviously, I'm sort of prepping to fly out next week so yeah stay no, tuned I, I, everyone for that yeah I, I don't think I don't think I'll be able to get to that but I think once I'm back I've um, got planned for a couple of home and away games coming up oh, so that'll be good so yeah so so yeah I just need to get through this and you know obviously I'll yeah I'll be following the games while some abroad anyway so so yeah yeah that'll be brilliant that it'll be really good to actually see how it goes as well um but yeah, moving on to Manchester United, my team. Um, did you watch the game on Sunday, Salim? First of all, uh, I watched. I watched bits of it. Um, mm. I, I do know the first half you got completely outplayed by Brighton, and in my head, sort of the football that Brighton are playing is the football that United want to play but can't play. Yeah. I think second half you guys were a lot better, I believe, but obviously you couldn't get that equaliser. And to be honest, Brighton didn't really look in danger of it going the other way but I feel like they should have had a penalty at 2-0 and that would have really sort of put a massive dent would have killed off yeah it would have killed off the game completely if that was a penalty that Welbeck or Gross would have scored as well again you know it just looks like another season and still like you know VAR still not sorted out you know it it could have been such a useful tool in that game whereby the penalty's given Brighton score miss whatever happens but yeah it would have been a turning point if they had scored from there but you know um, what what about you what did you think Uh, yeah. Uh, it was just it was atrocious football from Man United from start to finish as well because you can see what Ten Hag is trying to do but as Man United players have done over the years with Van Gaal with Mourinho with um, Solskjaer with, um, with even Ragnick last season as well once the manager tries to implement a style of football onto them they always go back to their default of basics and playing safe football so Maguire was doing that in the second half as well Eriksson had to drop deep a lot who I thought was our standout player from a really crap performance from the rest of the team as well so Ericsson having to play in two, three, four different positions. He's playing as the false nine, the attacking midfielder, the holding midfielder in the second half as well, always trying to float about. And there's a lot of confusion between him and Bruno Fernandes and who was going to actually be that false nine going forward. And Sancho and Rashford, unfortunately, were big letdowns um, last week as well. 
I was bigging up Jaden Sancho the week before in terms of I'm expecting a lot from him this season coming up, but clearly yeah. um, he wasn't getting into the game. He wasn't taking on his uh, opposition. And it wasn't even Cucurella at left back as well. They had someone else at left back and before Tyrell Lamptey came on as well. So it really goes to show that Brighton, they weren't, they didn't have to leave third gear to be fair. And Man United, we couldn't get out of like second gear. We were awful. We were crap in transition. We couldn't progress the ball fast enough. Bruno Fernandes missed a really good chance at nil-nil just blazed it over the bar. And he did the same against Liverpool last season as well. He missed a really good chance, like, uh, first five minutes. And then the game just went away from us. We got so many passengers in that team. And it's really sad to see that McTominay and Fred are still starting under uh, Eric Ten Hag as well. Lisandro Martinez, he was, he, was, he was all right. He's still got time to adapt to the Premier League as well. But people are going to take the mick out of him because of his height, because of the way that you've got loads of new number nines yeah. in this league with um, tall strikers like Haaland and Nunes coming back into this league as well. So that's a nice little thing for, for me to watch. Big number nines, I've always been a fan of them, which has been great. But honestly speaking, the game against Brentford, if we lose that game as well, I don't know what's going to happen because there was those whole talks of Arnautovic and Rabiot. I really don't want Rabiot. I really don't want Rabiot at, at Man United, Salah. He's such a bad player. He comes with such bad reputation. He comes with such baggage as well from other clubs and... He doesn't look like he's actually going to progress Man United. He's got similar stats to Scott McTominay, for goodness sake. You're seeing players like Guedes go to Wolves. You're seeing Onana go to Everton. You're seeing some of these really good players in European football. The type of player that Man United should be looking for, you know, like on the cusp of becoming a really good player. We should be looking at yeah. those type of players to be coming into Manchester United. And you mentioned earlier off camera as well that um, Douglas Luiz was being linked with Man United as well. And even Douglas Luiz would be a a shout, but does he get in above Fred and McTominay? Probably over McTominay, but I don't see the the appeal of continuing with this Fred McTominay thing. If there's ever a season for Man United to go out with all the kids, all the youngsters, the James Garners, the Garnachos, um, the Ahmad Diallos even as well, it's this season to try it out properly as well. I think one of our youngsters, Ethan Laird, is going out on loan to QPR, so that's something good to see as well. So that means that Aaron Wan-Bissaka will probably be saying, but our strength and depth is scarcely bad. It's so bad, man. Like, imagine how people are getting gassed over Marshall because of preseason. You mentioned earlier as well, Satlin, preseason is about fitness and getting used to the tactics, right? People are going to be relying on Anthony Marshall to turn up this season. And I don't think Marshall is going to be relying on Marshall to turn up this season as well. It's awful to see and really unhappy with the way that this summer's gone for Man United. And there's talks of a hostile takeover bid from Michael Knighton. I don't think it's going to happen properly. I don't think the Glazers are going to sell. Why would they need to sell? They're happy with putting their debt into Manchester United. But it's one of those things that it's going to be another drastic season for Manchester United. I don't think it's time to panic just yet, like you said. But as I've always been on this podcast, I've always just spoke from the heart and spoke realistic as well. Like I'm not looking forward to watching the next couple of games. Brentford away, uh, Liverpool at home. Uh, Leicester away as well which will be quite big as well for us as well because Leicester dominated us the last couple of times and I've said recently like Yuri Tillemans would be a really good number eight for have, us to have in that team yeah. a step above Donny van der Beek he'd be someone that can compete with Christian Eriksen and Bruno Fernandes as well but we need a proper number eight we need a proper number six and I'd say we definitely need another right back because I said on my pre-match sports post-match sports that Diogo Dallo got bullied so badly in that game and even though he was kind of in the way for the goal for Man United. He got bullied so badly in that game. And it goes to show that when Dalot doesn't play, Wan-Bissaka plays, but when Wan-Bissaka plays, they're not even good to get into any top 10 team in the Premier League, Dalot and Wan-Bissaka. And it's really sad to see. It's embarrassing to see. And I'm not looking forward to the Brentford game. I'm always looking forward to seeing when Man United are going to do well. But 
I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, but yeah, long season ahead for Man United, and I'm not looking forward to um, watching them this weekend against Brentford. Yeah, um, I was just going to make a point there. So I think that the replacement that PSG are signing for no, sorry, the, the replacement in for Rabiot, which is Paredes, is the guy that United should be going for, in my opinion. Yeah, Paredes um, would have been quality. Brozovic and, would have been quality from Inter Milan, yeah. and Fabian Ruiz would have been quality from Napoli as well. And then the other thing is, like when you when you look at it so deeply, Rabio at, at Juve, sorry, um, you know that they, he's one of the highest earners. They've been trying to get rid of him for ages, but nobody would take him on because of his wages. I think I did read somewhere that they were trying to get like a settlement with him to try and like pay off a part of his contract just to release him because you know they, yeah. they just didn't want him at the squad. And you know United's come in and put this 18 to 20 million pound bid and, you know, they're sort of, sort of like laughing in victory over there. Um, they agreed the deal straight away. It's just Rabio and his agent, his mum, who's his agent, literally they have to agree the deal. But I won't be, I won't be happy when Rabio signs for Man United because I'm just like, it's not an improvement on Fred McTominay. It might be, but I'm just like, it, you kill the man, but you don't kill the idea when Paul Pogba leaves. You're still going to have a virus in the squad and that virus and Rabi, another French midfielder uh, in Rabio, which is, quite sad to see really as well yeah and the, the other point I want to make is like I'm not sure why but it's sort of an open question to anyone really is that why is no one signing um, Owa from uh, Leon Jose Owa yeah because um, Nottingham Forest sure, were looking at him as well 15 million I'm sure like I'm sure at one point Arsenal were looking to pay about 40 to 50 for him a couple of mm. seasons back and he's still a young player um, you know I'd, I'd, I'd love to have him at Villa Park uh, as well so um, I'm not too sure really what's what's happening there because in my opinion he's a top talent and um, yeah, it'd be nice to see him go and come to the Premier League really because I'm sure Arsenal were going to pay 50 to 60 for him at one point. Yeah, and then they got Odegaard and this season they got that um, Vieira guy as well. So that's something yeah, that they've, Vieira, yeah. they've finally got their players in there which is quite good to, um, to see as well. Um, but yeah, just before we wrap up on this little Premier League segment that we have, Salem, as well, I wanted to talk to you a bit about Liverpool and their game against Fulham last week and how it was quite surprising to see how they were kind of getting dominated in that midfield against Fulham of all teams as well. The Paulina um, player from Sporting Lisbon, who I was raving about before the start of the season, he put in quite a big shift and Andres Pereira did all right as well, the former Man United player. So I was just kind of thinking, Salem, as well, do you reckon Liverpool are still lacking one more midfielder in that team with like some Milner, Harvey Elliott, Henderson still in that team, Thiago, I think in and out of the team, Fabinho in and out of the team as well. Do you think they needed the... the they were looking at Chumeni earlier this season, weren't they? But he went to Real Madrid. They were yeah. looking at Jude Bellingham. Um, but what are your thoughts on Liverpool so far? Uh, do you reckon they actually need another centre midfielder in their team? Yeah, I think I think they probably do. Um, the thing is, you have to remember, like, a, a lot of this sort of squad that Klopp sort of put together, a lot of these players have aged quite a lot since, uh, you know, he's sort of come in and taken over the squad. You know, you look at Henderson and Milner, for example. But, yeah, they could do it some fresh legs. I don't think they ever truly sort of replaced Wijnaldum, that energy yeah. that he brought to the team. I know they signed Thiago, who was a quality signing, but I see Thiago as a different type of footballer to Wijnaldum. Um, yeah, so I I feel like, you know, they, they, they could do with, like, another sort of progressive box-to-box type of midfielder, uh, especially with Liverpool, with the type of football they play. You know, they're going to expect rotation and... Um, they're going to be playing, you know, Champions League football and the Cups, you know, probably have a cup run. But for them, you know, with their sort of style of play and energy levels they need, you know, it it, it, it would make sense. And yeah, I was watching a bit of that Fulham game. It was it was nice to see um, Mitro do well uh, as, as well because, you know, he's sort of become 
that striker that's you know amazing in the championship, but people who say he couldn't really cut it in the Prem. Yeah, he was so, in that half so, yeah. league between everyone, like with Timo Pukki, that kind of area where like he could do it really well in the championship, but never really can do it in the Premier League. So hopefully it'll be good to see um, how he does this season as well. Because he looks a lot faster when, the, than when I last saw him like two seasons ago in the Premier League as well. So it's clearly worked on his pace. He's always been a strong striker and he's always been someone you can depend upon to hold up the play. But I think that extra bit of speed and that agility when he got fouled by Van Dijk as well, that was really fun to see because it's given him an extra layer of um, competitiveness this season as well for Fulham, which would be really good um, for Mitch yeah. going forward as well. Um, but yeah, just before we wrap up this segment, oh, we are going to wrap up now as well. By the way, I think Yuri Tillemans would be sick for Liverpool. I'd love him at Man United, but if Yuri Tillemans went to Liverpool, they would be a top quality midfield as well. As uh, I, I know they want Bellingham for next season, but Yuri Tillemans is in the shop window now. Go and get him, Liverpool. It'd work perfectly for you guys um, as well. Even Thomas Suchek, I would think, would be a pretty decent player for them if they were to go for someone like that. Conor Gallagher, maybe. Maybe not, I would say. Um, but yeah, we've got a new segment on our podcast that we've got this season. So we're talking about players to watch this weekend as well. So instead of Salem and I going through the whole of the Premier League preview um, for the weekend ahead, um, we're going to go through one player individually that we want to look for, that we're looking forward to watching this weekend as well. I'll start with this one. So for me personally, I'm looking forward to that Chelsea Spurs game on Sunday evening at 4.30. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how Kai Havertz does against this Tottenham back five, this back line of Tottenham. That did really well against Southampton last week. 4-1 win, I think. Um, big game already in the season as well. Two big teams looking for the top four qualification as well. But I really want to see how Kai Havertz does, along with Raheem Sterling and Mason Mount in that front three, how he's going to actually do against this Antonio Conte side as well. So that's someone that I'm looking forward to watching for hopefully he actually turns up against Tottenham and does really well it'll be a good game and I'm looking forward to a another 2-0 Chelsea win as it normally is as well Chelsea normally win against Tottenham at the bridge uh, which would be the case what about you Simon? Um, I'm looking forward to obviously I'm looking forward to seeing Buendia play anyway mm. but the one for me is uh, Brentford and Damsgaard a uh, player that I really wanted to see at Villa Park what a signing that is as well yeah, and he was so cheap, 14 mil. That's somebody that was sort of another 40, 50 million pound player at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we mentioned him last week as well, didn't we? So, yeah, he's he's one I'm really looking forward to see. And, um, yeah, he's he's the main one I'm really... But to be honest, for me, I, I, it's quite interesting when players like sign new players, you know, either they're from sort of Premier League teams or even if they're from like, you know, different leagues and clubs. It, it's just, um, it's just nice to see. It's just like you got that sense of intrigue on, you know, how this guy's going to perform. But yeah, for me, I'd probably say Damsgaard's my one that I really want to watch. Definitely. No, I'm looking forward to it as well, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he settles into Brentford because Brentford are going to look steady this season. I think it's going to be good to see how they go. And obviously, Brentford versus Man United, five thirty kickoff on Saturday. It could be a really good way to start his Brentford career by scoring against this low on confidence Manchester United side as well. So. It'll be really good to see how that kind of goes as well. Right, Salim, on to the next part of our podcast. Um, yesterday, at the time of recording, Karen Benzema became the second all-time top scorer for Real Madrid after eclipsing Raul's um, appearance. Not appearances, his goals as well. So it's been crazy to see how many goals um, he's got for Real Madrid. Um, yeah. Crazy to see. But I just wanted to know from you as well, like, we, do, we never normally give praise to a lot of these players when they're still playing. We normally give praise to them when they're retired. So I thought, you know what, whilst we're here as well, and it only happened yesterday, so it's fresh in our minds as well. 
Um, what have you really appreciated from watching Karim Benzema um, at Real Madrid? Like the way he plays, who he's played with, how he's developed. Um, yeah, this is literally our time to fanboy over Karim Benzema and his 321 goals for Real Madrid in 603 appearances, which is ridiculous to see. Nicely done, Karim Benzema. Yeah, um, I think he. I think he went under the radar a little bit, and in, in the so BBC era, because mm-hmm. Cristiano taking the plaudits. But when you sort of watch back now, you you kind of see how much. Well, he was always like an integral part, but you can see how important he truly is. And you know, if you look at the players that he was with before in the squad, even like Modric and Cruz of age. But when you look at the squad they had back then, you know, with Varane and Ramos and all these other players, you know, at the peak, you know, you got Ronaldo, you, you know best player in the world at the time, got Bale, all these like top quality players like with Isco as well. You know, the list just goes on. And, you know, Benzema was there and, you know, his numbers were always quite good goals and assist wise. He was, um, he was, you know, dropping really good numbers year on year as well. And all these players have left, a lot of these players have left, sorry, or they're not sort of the same players that they were back then. But, you know, you could see last season, he, he was, you know, a main reason they won that Champions League. A, he's got that belief, but B, he's somebody that you can just like rely on. Like, the squad know that they could just look to him and he'd pull something out of the bag out of nowhere, you know, and he's showing no signs of like slowing down either considering his age. Yeah, exactly. Because I put out a poll a couple of weeks ago in terms of who's been the best striker overall, Thierry Henry or Karen Benzema. A lot of people are going for uh, Thierry Henry so in terms of the nostalgia, the uh, invincibles, that type of thing as well. But it's not the worst thing in the world because obviously Karen Benzema is going to go to the World Cup with France this season as well, barring an injury. Imagine if he goes to the World Cup with France and actually retain their title as well. That would be incredible because he's been out of the national team since, well, he was back last time in the Euros, but it'd be really cool to see if Karen Benzema can actually inspire this France team to go again all the way with the squad that they have, with the squad depth that they have as well. I think it would be quite cool to see how he does at the international level as well for, um, for France as well. Uh, but yeah, for me, one of my favourite moments for Karen Benzema, obviously it would have been his, uh, his his run-up last season as well in the, to the Champions League final. When you're seeing him score a hat-trick at Stamford Bridge, when you're seeing him score that Peneca penalty as well against Manchester City, incredible to see how he's actually done. I think, well. I think when he took that Peneca penalty, I think he'd missed his last two penalties in La Liga or something as well. He missed that previous weekend as well and he still stepped yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing that I don't get. Like, literally just like the last weekend, just, like the last penalty he took, which was a week ago, like how recent is that in the mind? And it was an awful penalty as well and he missed it. And then a week later, you know, sort of massive stage, all the pressure on him and, you know, he just, just makes it look effortless and easy. So... You know, you give him the plaudits there. Yeah, exactly. And um, in terms of the Thierry Henry thing as well, he's actually scored more goals all over time than Thierry Henry. Like, Thierry Henry's on 411. I think Benzema's now like 421 or something like that, which is incredible to see. 421 goals is more than people actually make career appearances over their lifetime as well. And the longevity of Benzema as well, like you mentioned earlier, Salem, he scored in 17 Champions League seasons in a row. And he's only behind Messi and Ronaldo in terms of the consistency that he's done it as well. So it's the fact that he can be another player to break that hundred uh champion that hundred goal Champions League mark. And the fact that Robert Lewandowski has actually gone to Spain to compete directly against Karen Benzema, that'll be a fun rivalry to watch for the rest of the season as well. When that, when you've got the El Clasico coming up as well. Lewandowski versus Benzema directly in Spain and even for the La Liga title as well, which would be fantastic to see. But uh another moment for me for Karen Benzema as well is the fact that We've seen him with what five, six European 
uh, titles as well. I think it's six, isn't it? The fact that he won against uh, Liverpool. So it's going to be crazy to see how he actually goes about it because re- realistically speaking, Salim, as well, who wins six European titles and doesn't get called great? It's, it's absolutely fantastic what he's done and it's going to be yeah. a long-standing, long-standing Frenchman for years to come to be watching as well. And one of the best finishers we've actually had the pleasure of actually watching um, playing as well. So really looking forward to seeing how Karen Benzema does this upcoming season. But um, just to finish off on the Benzema thing, Salim, as well, I know that we always talk about greatness and the goats and stuff like that. Where do you rate Karen Benzema in terms of your all-time strikers? Oof, that's quite an open question. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's definitely up there, but I think I need a bit more, bit more thinking time for this one. Um, I'm not sure. You, would you go, would you go top? Yeah, I caught, I caught myself. I, I mean, as well. I, I, would, would, does he make it top five? Because we can always say top ten. That's an easy cop. Well, but top five, hundred percent, you could say top ten. But we need to think like who else is truly up there. So you've got. You know, the, the stuff he's won and stuff like that, then you could say, yeah, you know, probably definitely you'd say he'd make top five. But mm. yeah, I'd, I'd say he, he does. He's, he's in that debate for a top five. Yeah, because remember, his career's lasted so long as well, just like with Ronaldo and like think, with Messi. I think if you well. take, if you ignore, if you ignore Ronaldo, for example, you know, and what he did at Real Madrid, and you look at what Benzema's done, yeah, if Ronaldo didn't exist, for example, you, we'd be saying, oh, wow, Benzema's like, you know, he'd be in so many ballot. I, I, I was saying that yesterday as well. If Benzema uh, was literally top dog at Real Madrid, everyone would be going on, on about Benzema. There'd be Benzema shirts around the world. It'd be crazy to see what but he you was have to remember doing. The, the, the role that he played in that squad, you know, such a selfless role and it worked between him and Ronaldo. Um, so, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I'd, I've got a lot of respect for, you know, Benzema and what he's done in his career. And do you and reckon it's, it's, it's going to be it's good, balanced? It's good that he's back playing for France as well. Yeah, I think it's, the Ballon d'Or's got his name written all over it as well. I know there's talks of Sadio Mane after winning, obviously, AFCON as well and doing really well for Liverpool um, this season, obviously, with the FA Cup and the League Cup and going to Bayern Munich. But I think the Ballon d'Or's literally got Karen Benzema's name on it for the, the comeback against Chelsea, the extraordinary comeback against Manchester City, the fight back against uh, PSG as well, which was incredible to see how he did well, that. Well, if you look at the run that Real Madrid had, you know, every team was like they were thinking, oh, they're going to get knocked out here. They're going to get knocked out here. And every game they pretty much played, they went behind. You know, they, they, they lost the first game against Sheriff. Mm. You know, a team that I've, I've never heard of before, for example. But no disrespect to them either. But yeah, so, you know, they, they start off like that. And then they were, you know, drawing teams like, uh, they played PSG, which they should have lost. They played against Man City, which they should have lost. They played against Chelsea, which they should have lost. And then even the final against Liverpool, it was all Liverpool that first half. Liverpool, you know, dominated that game. And, Real Madrid got that goal and, and that was it really but if you look at the run it was probably one of the hardest runs and you know it sort of mirrors that Chelsea run when they when they won it that first time I wouldn't say it's the exact same but you know you could take a lot of um, a lot of comparisons from them uh, yeah, yeah the I'd heart say, in that team the fight back of that team as well the yeah, fact yeah. that the media was writing them off pure, mostly in England they were writing them off as well because yeah, they're like Liverpool are amazing underdog. type thing and you yeah, never normally a, see sorry carry on yeah, it was a pure underdog story. But yeah, sorry, carry on. It's, it, that was That's all I wanted to say. No, it's just like that as well. It's just the fact that we can go down in terms of obviously losing to Sheriff in the group stages and coming back against PSG, coming back against Chelsea, the European champions, coming back, coming back against Manchester City, the English champions, and then obviously coming back against Liverpool, the Carabao Cup and FA Cup champions of last season as well. So, And they won the league last season as well. 
in uh, La Liga as well. So it goes to show that they actually did some amazing football last season as well. They actually did so well because even with Carlo Ancelotti as well, he said recently the fact that he's allowing his players to be a lot more free on the pitch as well. So that's why you're seeing Valverde play a bit more than Rodrigo on the wing. And you're not really seeing Hazard come into it because of Vinicius just doing so well. But ridiculous stats as well. And yeah, just all shout out to Karen Benzema really being second highest goal scorer as well. 450 goals for Ronaldo, 324 for Karen Benzema, 323 for Raul. The most Champions League titles, the most La Liga titles, uh, joint Super Cup titles, most club t- uh, club World Cup titles as well. Again, start of, if you go back 12 months as well, from August 2021, 47 games, 45 goals, a La Liga title, Champions League and a Super Cup. How can you not love Karen Benzema? I mean, and you need, to, you need to add his assists onto there because you're looking at GNA. Yeah, in those games. 70, crazy. Yeah, quick maths. Yeah, 70, which is which is good to see as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing much more of Karen Benzema uh, for the next couple of years at Real Madrid, which would be incredible. It will be absolutely incredible. Right, now to wrap up the podcast, Adam, I did want to ask you um, a couple quick fire questions about a couple of games that we've got. I'm not going to go through the whole Premier League ones because I know you've got to go. So, First things first, Arsenal versus Leicester. What are your thoughts on Arsenal from last week as well after having their new look um, team? It's not, not just the pink kit, but how they're looking forward against Crystal Palace. They did really well. We've got a Leicester team that yeah. haven't been great so far. I think they drew to Brentford, but um, are you expecting much from Arsenal this season? Do you reckon they'll hit the top four finally as well? And, 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 and have you been watching their Amazon documentary as well, the All or Nothing one? So I need to start the documentary. I think I'll watch that on the flight. Mm. Um, in terms of the Arsenal Palace game itself, I thought Palace played really well, and you know the chances they've missed. I think Eze missed a really good chance, Big literally center. like one on one at uh, one at one nil, and there was another one. That, there was a header that got missed. I can't remember who missed Zaha. that header. Zaha, yeah, but honestly, Edward, 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 yeah. So yeah. I think Palace had, I think at least three clear cut chances when they were one nil down, and they should have. Should have scored them, but Arsenal look really good too. You know, Saliba, you know, really surprised me, and he's, he's looked really good. He's a but... joyous centre back to watch as well because he makes everything look so effortless as well, Saliba. And um, I wanted to ask you about him as well. Like, do you see him being like a future captain for Arsenal? Because I know it's just one game, and I know Arsenal fans are getting gassed about, it, but I haven't seen someone that composed at the back for Arsenal for a very, very long time as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing more from um, Saliba from Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, it was, it was really good to watch. I know Odegaard's just been main captain anyway. But, mm. yeah, to be honest, both teams look really good. Like, Palace were playing some really good football. And, you know, I credit Vieira, you know, they were playing out from the back and passing it around. They were patient, going side to side and doing all the right things. They just couldn't have that finish, which they should have had. And they potentially could have got a point or even gone on to win. Arsenal look really good too. Um, so, it's I, I think that they, they will be knocking on that top four sort of door this season definitely um, they're looking a lot better than they have in previous seasons but again Leicester when they went 2-0 up I was like oh this is looking quite good considering they've not had the best of windows and then they've sort of conceded to to Brentford and they've drawn so at the moment I don't think it's looking that good for Leicester a team that should be should have been top four two seasons in a row before messing it up just like last couple of weeks and by not sort of backing uh, the manager, you know, with all this and there's a lot of uncertainty with like Tielemans and Fofana, for example, it, and yeah. it's not it's not looking it's not looking great for a team that was so close to you know finally bridging that gap and becoming top six team. So it, it's it's sort of looking downwards for Leicester at the moment, and you know they've lost Jermichael as well, who was a key part of that team. 
So yeah, so yeah, I feel like it's going to be an Arsenal win, but I really do think that Leicester are not heading the right way. Yeah, and I think there's talks of Ben Foster being signed on a free for Leicester City as well, so that could be another signing in for Leicester as well. But I think Arsenal are looking fantastic so far. I know people like to uh, banter on their banter on their fans and stuff like that as well. I know it's the first game of the season, but I think it's one of those things that with Arsenal, if they can avoid all these injuries that they get, that they tend to do around November to February time, they don't drop off in form. They are a real contender for the top four. There are people talking about about them for the title, but no no chance for me. The title isn't in Arsenal's reach, and you can clip this if they win the title. I don't care. But realistically speaking, Arsenal are looking close in that top four race as well. Um, the next team I wanted to talk to you guys, you that's just you talk to you about we're not going to talk about Man United because Man United is crap I'm not looking forward to watching Man United and the less we talk about Man United on this podcast the better unless we actually sign De Jong but there's talks of De Jong actually going to Chelsea. Chelsea so Chelsea are playing Tottenham which is a big week big game on the weekend that we've got coming up as well two other teams kind of scrapping for this top four as well what are your thoughts on um, Raheem Sterling recently saying that he wants to be the main man at um, Chelsea he wants to play week in week out do you reckon he's going to be lifting Chelsea to back to where they belong as, as a top four team. Maybe you're looking into a Champions League win again. How are you thinking about Chelsea this season, Sam? Yeah, so firstly, I'd say like that this game's come quite early. So sort of this really big game, uh, London derby. Mm. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this game, actually. I think Spurs look really good under Conte. I feel like they made some really good signings too. Chelsea, I did watch a little bit. Um, they're getting a lot of, sort of talk in the media that they're quite an ultra-defensive team. Yeah. Um, Sterling Sterling's a quality player I feel like he's underrated his numbers are really good you could say like oh he was in a pet team and stuff but if you look at some of the goals he has scored a lot of them are sort of crucial goals winning goals late goals and um, Sterling you know, coming in clutch yeah you know he's got 100 Premier League goals and he's done quite well considering the problems that he did have in terms of his finishing and stuff like that and he was a good player for us during the World Cup too considering how bad his form was in the league uh, and in the Euros, in the World well, it was it was the Euros. Sorry, it was the Euros. I meant not the World Cup. Mm. But yeah, no, I, I think I think he can cement himself as you know one of Chelsea's top top players. And I think he was. A, I don't think he was that expensive. To be fair, at fifty million, um, it was bargain. 50. Uh, yeah, yeah, forty-seven point yeah. something. But it's absolute bargain for Raheem Sterling as well. Coming into the prime of his years as well, fantastic player to watch and a real joy and. There are talks. Well, we don't really talk much about rumours on here, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Frankie de Jong, after being linked for 14 weeks with Manchester United, is now linked with a, an easier move to Chelsea with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So we could see the return of Aubameyang in the Premier League, but Man United fans around the world will be in tears. I couldn't care less, but they'll be in tears because Frankie de Jong is actually going to a rival and is going to be elevating this rival even more in terms of their midfield. Him and Kante in the midfield, him and Jorginho in the midfield. What a quality signing Frankie de Jong could be for Chelsea. What are your thoughts on um, those two signings potentially? Because Sky Sports are saying they're both quite close over the next few days. It could happen, which is crazy. I think I think Frankie would be an amazing signing. I said it from the start that he's, you know, if United got him, they literally transformed the way that they play. Mm. Um yeah, I do feel sorry for him in terms of this deferred wage situation he has got at Barcelona, and they're the like, fans are attacking him as well, which is sad yeah, but it's not it's not his fault. Like you know, he's he's earned this money from a contract yeah. that he signed with the club, Definitely. and deferred wages need to be paid. You know, you can't. It's just like saying, oh, "I'm never going to pay you," even though you've done all this work, you know, for them. So that's that's completely wrong in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And somebody needs to look into this sort of situation that's happening at Barcelona. I think it'd be a great signing for Chelsea. Um, I feel like they do need somebody new in there. Um, but it does sort of 
does raise question marks until Jorginho and Kante, but, you know, that's a problem for Chelsea, really. And then the other one was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, wasn't it? And, yep. yeah, we did mention Chelsea definitely need a striker. I think I think it'd be a good good signing for them. I don't think he's a finished player. And if Lewandowski's coming at Barca, just come to Barca, you know, he wants to be the main man. So he'll, I think it'd be a good move for him. And I think Chelsea, get both of them, it's going to make it even more interesting. And, you know, I feel like they're probably two players that United could do with, especially Frankie. But, mm-hmm. yeah, let's see what happens over yeah. the coming weeks. I wouldn't have been surprised if Frankie de Jong literally goes to Chelsea. It'd be such a Man United thing to do after Ericsson Hugs' number one target throughout the whole summer. Moves to our... They're not even our rivals anymore, Chelsea. They're just way ahead of us as well. They're not even our top four rivals. They're just clearer of Man United, unfortunately, which is quite sad to see. But Frankie de Jong, with the way that he builds play from the back, the reason why Barcelona have appreciated him so much and what the way Ajax have appreciated him so much is the way that he actually builds play from the back. He keeps possession really well. And as someone who... Man United have lacked, we've lacked a player like that since Michael Carrick retired, for goodness sake. We haven't replaced Michael Carrick in the years that it's gone by. So Frankie de Jong would have been a much better improvement on him. But it doesn't seem to be the case for Man United. And if Chelsea were to sign Frankie de Jong, the Premier League would have gained a very valuable player. And to see Obama Young back at, in the Premier League and for Chelsea, I mean, Giroud, when he went to Chelsea from Arsenal, became a uh, European title winner as well. It was crazy to see how well he did. Um, going forward, Ashley Cole, obviously, from Arsenal to Chelsea, Champions League winner, Premier League winner. The the track record's quite good from Arsenal players going to Chelsea, which is really good to see. And final game I wanted to chat to you about before we end this podcast is Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. So with Crystal Palace signing, obviously, Decore, and I thought he had a decent first game against uh, Arsenal as well. And uh, Joachim Anderson being one of the best ball-playing centre-backs in the Premier League, most accurate ones as well, which was confirmed. Uh, last week over the last couple of seasons has been in the Premier League. What are you expecting from Liverpool? Do you reckon they'll start Darwin Nunes? Do you reckon they'll be looking at um, changing their midfield system a bit? How do you see this going, Sarah? Um, I feel like when he came on, he sort of gave him an edge. They were um, more direct, weren't they? You could see they've been a bit more direct they, because they had a taller man up front for the first time in ages, I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like it would be, it'd, it'd be good to see him start, to be fair. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times when, when teams do sign, you know, these big players, sometimes they just put them on the bench to start with. And it does make sense, you know, City just went in to start Haaland because, you know, they needed to, whereas Liverpool had a bit of a pecking order, as mm-hmm. I'd like to say. And obviously, Nunes is still learning, you know, oh. the style of play and stuff. But, no, mm-hmm. it, it would be nice for him to start. You know, he's somebody that I want to see do well in English football. I want, I want to see him get 20, 25 goals. It'd be, it'd be really nice for him as well. I definitely think we'll get 25 goals this season, maybe like 15 goals in the Premier League and like 10 outside of the Premier League as well. And we've seen a lot last week as well. A lot of the new signings coming into England, they were getting uh, cramp. I think Decore is one of them. I think one of the Everton players, the Chelsea, no, Koulibaly, the Chelsea centre-back, he got cramp as well because he wasn't used to the pace of the Premier League. So that would be quite fun to see um, as well. But um, yeah, it's going to be a good weekend of the Premier League coming up. Not for Man United, for everyone else, really, to be fair. They've got a fighting chance. But uh, realistically speaking, Man United still need three, four big signings to actually um, progress further. But the reality is we're not in the Champions League. We're not an appeal as we used to be once upon a time. And it's quite sad to see how we've wasted so much time on a target that we thought we could get. I mean, we still could get him. The, the medical was agreed. The agreement was done with the agent. But it's just Frankie de Jong doesn't want to leave Barcelona just yet. Um, as well. And there's still the talk of the old wages and everything. So 
if anyone's a lawyer, they should really reach out to Frankie Dion in terms of that as well, which is great. Um, but yeah, end of the podcast now, Salim. Um, anything you want to share with us before we wrap up or we good to go? Um, yeah, I mean, sort of uh, I'm flying out on Wednesday. So mm. my next sort of recording could either be from Manchester Airport or from Orlando in Florida. So, so or even Miami, to be fair. So that's Miami, somewhere you've been sick. recently into Miami vibes. Is um, there going to be a game where you're gonna when you're going to go, do you know, into Miami? No, I think the, where I am, I think the days I'm in Florida, in Orlando, sorry, I think they're playing away and the day that the few days I'm in Miami, I think they're not playing. So, oh, no. yeah, I think I'll have to go back to the States again for sort of an MLS game. But yeah, you know, the we'll have from, to go. Yeah, yeah we'll, make, we'll have we'll to make go. It, we'll make it a trip, which will be good as well. No, I'm looking forward to you going. You'll have a lovely time in Florida. It'll be great and uh, maybe we'll see some Aston Villa fans out there as well because you get a big following of like Aston Villa, Everton. Yeah, Tottenham, I'm, I'm gonna try. Fans. I'm gonna try go to one of the Lions clubs, uh, mm. as you call it. So we've got loads of them sort of across the world. So I'm gonna try and try get down to one of them. But I'm definitely gonna take a couple of uh, some Villa merch and sort of you know rep rep rep, rep my club out there. So represent. That's what yeah. we love. Um, but yeah, another bit from me as well. Our foot golf session that we've done, that's going to be coming up very soon as well because it was like three hours worth of content I had to do and get down into like 30-minute segments each. So I'm really looking forward to sharing that with everyone, which would be great. And I said recently, um, I didn't say it recently. I'm going to say it now. Um, over this, over the course of this season, Salem and I, we're going to be going to games as we are. Um, but with me, I'm going to be tending to go to a few European games as well. Salem and I are planning next year to be going to European games. So we'll be looking at doing more vlogs, more content outside of Europe, which will be great um, to see wherever we're going to be, which will be great. And my first trip is booked for September. So everyone look out for that because I'll be uh, vlogging on social media. I'll be doing YouTube lives like I did when I was in Miami. I got the bug for it now. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing with this podcast. I'm looking forward to where we're going to go over the course of the season as well. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listened, who's followed, who's supported us, who's come onto the podcast as well. 85 episodes in, we've done six, Alan. Really well done to you. Thanks for all your help. And thanks to everyone for listening as well. It's been great fun. Um, but yeah, uh, onwards to the weekend. Salem, enjoy your weekend. Everyone enjoy your weekend. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>